What a pleasure it is to open God's Word with you today. Thank you, choir, for leading us so beautifully, as you always do. We open God's Word today to John 4, beginning in the 7th verse, and we'll be reading about the woman at the well today. May God add His blessing to the reading of His Holy Word. John 4, 7 begins, There came a woman of Samaria to draw water. Jesus said to her, Give me a drink. For his disciples had gone away into the city to buy food. Therefore the Samaritan woman said to him, How is it that you, being a Jew, ask me for a drink, since I am a Samaritan woman? For Jews have no dealings with Samaritans. Jesus answered and said to her, If you knew the gift of God, and who it is who says to you, Give me a drink, you would have asked him, and he would have given you living water. She said to him, Sir, You have nothing to draw with, and the well is deep. Where do you get that living water? You are not greater than our father Jacob, are you, who gave us the well and drank of it himself and his sons and his cattle? Jesus answered and said to her, Everyone who drinks of this water will thirst again. But whoever drinks of the water that I give him shall never thirst again. But the water that I will give... Him will become in him a well of water springing up to eternal life. The woman said to him, Sir, give me this water so I will not be thirsty, nor come all this way here to draw. He said to her, Go, call your husband and come here. The woman answered and said, I have no husband. Jesus said to her, You have correctly said I have no husband, for you have had five husbands. And the one in whom you now have is not your husband. This you have truly, you have said truly. The woman said to him, Sir, I perceive you are a prophet. Our fathers worshipped in this mountain, and you people say that in Jerusalem is the place where men ought to worship. Jesus said to her, Woman, believe in me. An hour is coming when neither in this mountain nor in Jerusalem will you worship the Father. You worship what you do not know. We worship what we know, for salvation is from the Jews. But an hour is coming, and now is, when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth. For such people the Father seeks to be his worshipers. God is spirit, and those who worship him must worship in spirit and truth. The woman said to him, I know that the Messiah is coming. He was called Christ when That one comes, he will declare all things to us. Jesus said to her, I who speak to you am he. Would you pray with me? Good and gracious Father, we come humbly before you today, asking for your blessing, asking for your presence. For where we have fallen short, we humbly ask your forgiveness and pray, Lord, that you would remove any barriers so that we might hear your voice, feel your spirit, be healed and become whole. We bring today our small love and pray that you will make something wonderful of it. I confess before my friends, as always, there is nothing good that can come from this hour, nothing lasting, that will change us unless your spirit is the one who speaks today. So may your spirit speak to us through these holy words. Bless your children. In Jesus' name we pray. 
Amen. When I was a young man, I was a pretty good tennis player. I enjoyed it very much, and, and uh, there was nothing quite like it. Maybe some of you have played tennis over the years, and, and you know uh, something that happens when you hit the ball just right. You know, you hit the sweet spot. You know what I'm talking about? There's a sweet spot on the racket, and that's kind of when, you know, your body position is just right, the distance to the ball, and you make that nice stroke, and oh, something good happens when that ball just comes off the center of the racket, and it's just like there's something reverberates up your arm, straight to your heart, and there's not much better, and all you want is more. Now, I am told that the same thing happens in golf, although I have rarely experienced it. I was thinking this week, I had played probably about 20 rounds of golf in my life. That's about 18 holes of golf per game, of course. About 10 strokes per hole. That's right, I said 10, get over it. And that makes about 3,600 strokes. And I think out of those 36, there have been about five times that I've hit the sweet spot. And again, when you hit it, something just resonates within you and, and you want more of it. Now, Here's where it gets to be truly good news. The good news is we, as people of faith, can live in a sweet spot. We can live in a fulfilled life. I just want to say this morning, I didn't even write it down, is the good news of Jesus Christ good news to you? I mean, we're not talking about just the hope of heaven, although that's wonderful and a blessing that we can count on and hope for. But I want the good news to be good news right now. And I believe it so. I believe that we can live in the sweet spot, that we can live a life of fulfillment, experiencing joy and contentment, and yes, fulfillment to the fullest. We may even look back over our life and think back about some time when God was really moving, God was really using our lives, and we would think back wistfully, oh man, those were the good old days. I wish... I had more of that. And likely we've experienced just the opposite of the sweet spot, something of kind of just going through the motions and feeling dissatisfied and empty. And, and, and as good as the sweet spot is, there isn't much worse than simply going through the motions. So what does the Scripture say to us? What does this passage hint to us, communicate to us, about finding and living in that sweet spot? Well, in this woman, we, or in this passage, we find a woman who, who we, can't, we can't imagine she's truly living in the sweet spot, not living in a fulfilled life. We see right up front that she's been married five times, and now she's living with a sixth man that she's just given up on marriage altogether, it seems. And we can imagine that with each marriage, there's more scars and more baggage that she's carrying forward to the point that she's just given up on a whole and fulfilling relationship. The Samaritan woman is drawing water at the well at the wrong time. Now, we wouldn't know that unless you maybe pulled out a commentary, but we find in a commentary that this is the hot part of the day. Women would come early in the morning and, and, and take those big heavy jugs and fill them up with water in the cool part of the day, not in the hottest part of the day where we find Jesus and this woman. Because early in the morning, she probably would have found the other woman there, and there she would have found contempt. There she would have found judgment. 
because of the living conditions that she's living in. And in order to avoid that, she doesn't have any sense of community. She doesn't have any intimate relationships. She's been judged by the community, and she's likely judged herself. And then the third thing that draws out, jumps out to me is that she's talking about uh, the history of the life of faith. She's talking about her fathers and her forefathers, all the way back to Abraham, but she's not talking about her worship and her praise, is she? She's talking about a history. I, I, I can't uh, tell you how many times over the years when I've invited someone to come to church, and I say, you know, do, do you have a church you go to? Well, no. But you know, my grandfather was a founding member of that church. And I always feel like saying, well, good for your grandfather, but how about you? That's what she's doing. She's drawing back into her history, into her, her, you know, her heritage as opposed, as opposed to a relationship. Would you call that sweet spot living? No. Would you call that a fulfilled life? I, I doubt it. And, and again, there isn't much worse so then, how do we as Christians live in that sweet spot? How do we live a fulfilled life? I want to give you four things. There's a lot more. There's different ways. But I want to offer you four ideas this morning that can help each one of us live in the sweet spot. The first one is this. Fulfillment is found in a life of purpose, a life of meaning, a life of worth and value and significance. Listen to Isaiah 43, 7. He says, Everyone who is called by name, by my name, and whom I have created for my glory, whom I have formed, even whom I have made. For my glory. That's the passage to underline. Or Colossians 1, 16. All things have been created through him, and do you know it? All things have been created through him and for him. That's you and me. And there lies our purpose. There is the key to living in the sweet spot. Let me put it this way. When I was in the army, every once in a while, uh, we'd find ourselves in a really difficult situation. You know, sometimes I was stationed in the desert for a couple of years. We'd be out in the middle of the desert, and, and uh, it was just miserable. Average temperature, about 116 degrees. And we'd kind of play this game, a way of kind of consoling ourselves, you know. We'd just think about, well, well, one guy might start playing the game and he might say something like, well, at least we aren't mosquito bite testers. And somebody else would say, man, that's right, that's a bad job, just sitting around counting how many mosquito bites, you know. Yeah, I wouldn't want that job. The next guy would play along, he'd say, well, at least we aren't crime scene cleaners. Yeah, that's no good, I wouldn't want that job. The next guy would say, you know, maybe it was raining, maybe we were sitting in the middle of a mud puddle somewhere, and the next guy would say, well, at least we're not pet food testers, taste testers. Did you know that's a real job? Not just any dog food, but the really good dog food actually has a tester. Oh, man, that's just nasty. Just dogs. You know what we're really saying at that point? Really saying at that moment? Well, at least as soldiers, we have a life of purpose. Now listen to me. I want you to know with all of my heart something that you probably already know, maybe you've forgotten, but certainly believe as Christians above all people, we have a life of purpose. We have a calling. We have meaning. We have value. 
We have significance in our life like no one else. Our calling is to bring glory to God, says the Scripture. Our calling is to love Him and worship Him and serve Him and tell the world about Him. And as we align our life with this great truth, it doesn't really matter if we are mosquito bite testers or not because we have meaning and purpose and value in our relationship with Christ Jesus. Amen. Application? Come Sunday morning ready to fulfill your purpose. I just love Johnny's prayer. Help us not to be simply attending, just, just you know, watching, just spectators. This is no spectator sport. This is the people of God joining together to worship and communicate our love for Him. Come Sunday morning ready to worship. And then when you leave, it doesn't stop right there, does it? But we continue to walk with Him, express our love, talk with Him on a daily, moment-by-moment basis. The Apostle Paul says, pray without ceasing. Just continue to walk with Him and talk with Him. Show your love. That's the very purpose of your life. And as you go about your life, share the good news wherever you go. Acts 13.47 says, For so the Lord has commanded us, I have placed you, There's your purpose. I have placed you as a light for the Gentiles that you may bring salvation to the end of earth. A life with purpose is at the very center of sweet spot living. But what else? Secondly, fulfillment is found in a life of security. In other words, it answers the questions, can I be assured of my relationship with God now and my relationship with Him in eternity? And the answer is absolutely, you answer it for me. What is it? Oh, that's a little weak. Let's try over here. Do do I have the absolute assurance of a relationship with Him now and in all eternity? And God's people said, Amen. Yes, oh, isn't that good? You know what that's called? That's called worship, and I kind of like it. Amen, yes. When I was, uh, Sandy and I came from a community about eight months ago when we moved here. And, and in that community, there's a full-blown cult that was just a little bit down the road from the last church I served in. It's, it's called one of the ten most dangerous cults in America. And one of the many reasons that it was called a cult was because one of the teachings they had on this very issue of salvation. You see, the, the, the pastor happened to be a woman, and on Wednesday nights, for instance... And by the way, Wednesday night service was mandatory. Attendance was taken. Oh, wouldn't that change things? All right, so move on, Pastor Cal, move on. So, so, so this, the pastor would stand at the, at the door of the church and, and greet every person that came in. And as you came in, she believed that she had the spiritual gift of discerning whether or not that you had picked up an evil spirit over the week. And she would say to you, Uh, you're not right with God, and that you need to go worship in the other building so you don't contaminate the rest of us, and when you're ready to repent of that sin, then you can come back to worship. And so people would go and they would repent, and then the whole thing might start the next week. And the good news is for that, man, it really helps with attendance. The bad news is, it is a heretical teaching that has nothing to do with the Word of God. Do I have assurance of my relationship with God now and forever? The answer is absolutely yes. Application, rest in it. Rest in it. You are sealed 
by the promise of the Holy Spirit. When you bow your head and you have that connection with the Spirit of God, that's saying you are mine, child. And I am with you to the end of the age. There is a God who loves you. You don't have to earn it. Rest in it. Do you have to, do your children, mom and dad, raise your hand if you've got kids. Raise your hand if you've got grandchildren. This may be more applicable to grandchildren. Do your grandchildren have to earn your love? Absolutely not. Your kids sometimes? No. Kids will drive you nuts, won't they? Let's just... But our Heavenly Father, who is perfect, looks at you with love and adores you more than we can imagine. Rest in that. You have the blessed assurance of a relationship with Him. I had a professor once in college, one of my favorite ones. He used to say, he used to say this constantly. He'd say, there is a God and I'm not Him. And sometimes I just have to remind myself, no, I'm not, and I need to get my hands off the wheel. Because there is a God and I'm not Him. It doesn't mean that we won't ever have tribulation. It just means that He'll be with us through the darkest valleys. That He'll never leave us or forsake us. And all of these things say that we have a life of meaning and purpose and value. And we can live in the sweet spot when we are determined to rest in the strength of our God. There was someone came in this morning, and man, she's got, she's got some real problems. I mean, there's, there's just some, some chaos that's going on in her life right now. And she just feels like, she said, I just feel like I'm losing everything. I'll tell you one thing you're not losing, child. A God who loves you and promised that he'll be with you. And he said he's going to make all things work for you together for the good. And that promise is going to go on forever and ever. My life first says this. It says, it, it, it says, for I am confident of this very thing. He who began a good work in you will perfect you to the day of Christ Jesus. Rest in it. Cooperate with him, but rest in it. I've got another friend who, who often says, it all, it'll all work out in the end. If it's not worked out, it's not the end. I've got to say that to myself two or three times a week. But it's a good reminder that I have security. And so listen, listen, application. Worry has no place in the life of a believer. Amen? Amen. First, fulfillment is found in life of purpose. You have that. Secondly, Fulfillment is found in a life of security. You've got that too. Thirdly, fulfillment is found in a life of relationship. The first and most important relationship is that one with our Heavenly Father through the sacrifice of Jesus at the cross. But as we enter into that relationship, we also become part of the body of Christ. Isn't that a kind of strange and unusual phrase? That you and I are part of the body of Christ. Ephesians 4.11 says it this way, And he gave some as apostles, and some as prophets, and some as evangelists, and some as pastors and teachers, for the equipping of the saints and of the work of the service, to the building up of the body of Christ, until we all attain to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God to a mature man, to the measure of the stature which belongs to the fullness of Christ. Likewise, 1 Corinthians 12 says this, for even as the body is one and yet has many members, and all the members of the body, though they are many, are one body, so also is Christ. 
You see, every one of us has a unique gift and calling and talent that when we fit it together, works as the body of Christ in His world. So we are not complete without one another. I said that this morning in, in, in the welcome. We are not complete without you. And you aren't complete without us. We are created for God, for a relationship with Him. And we are created for one another. There is a planned interdependence. Not everybody has all the gifts, but everybody's got one. Some even have more, it seems. But one person shouldn't be doing it all. That's not God's plan. Here's, a simple, here's the simple test. Just think back in your life. You with me still? Say amen. Need a little encouragement up here. You with me? All right. Now listen. Think about some of the most glorious moments of your life. Were you alone or were you in community? You're in community, weren't you? Now, there may be some oddball out there. I don't know. You say, I just like to climb all mountains all by myself. I just get up there, just get up there all by myself. And you take pictures, then you come back and you post them on Facebook, don't you? And that means you have a hunger and a desire for community. And there is no better community than the body of Christ. This is a relationship, listen, should be like no other in the world. This relationship that you and I have with one another. This, you know, what, what's this place called right here? What's this place called? Sanctuary? Somebody say sanctuary? Well done. The body, it's a sanctuary. That's where I want to go for a moment. It means a place of what? Safety. And within the body of Christ should be the safest place of all. The relationships that we have with one another should be without judgment and without condemnation. Listen, here's the truth of it. I absolutely know that I've not got it all together. Now, I look like it. I understand that. But I know I don't, and you know it too. And so I ask you for grace. I ask you for grace. And in return, I promise to give you the same grace without a hint of judgment or superiority because this is the sanctuary and this is a place of safety. And in this place, listen now, children of God, listen. In this place, in this body, not the building, but in this body, we can have peace with God. I'm not there yet, but he said he's going to complete me. We can have peace with each other. And we can even have peace within ourselves. And I got to tell you, peace with God, peace with others, peace with self, that's living in the sweet spot. Amen? First, fulfillment is found in a life of purpose. Secondly, in a life of security. Third, in a life of rich relationships. And finally, fulfillment is found in a life of service. Now, some of you are thinking, well, I don't know. I'd rather be served than to, you know, to serve. I was thinking just this morning, um, uh, we got to go, Sandy and I got to go several years ago, to go watch uh, Army play Syracuse in the Peach Bowl in Atlanta. And it was a great weekend. We just had the best old time. And we got to, we got to we, man, we got to stay at this fancy hotel. And it was like nothing I'd ever been. It's, it is nice to hang out with rich folks every once in a while. And I remember what this one evening I, I called down to room service. Oh, room service. And I called down there. And, you know, you, say, you might say, well, hello. Or they might say room service. This lady said, how may I serve you? 
And I just thought to myself, I think I'm on. But but the truth is, the reality is that most of us are not going to find any lasting fulfillment in being served, but being a servant to others. I'll give you an example. In 2011, um, the, the, uh, a tornado hit Tuscaloosa, Alabama. And, uh, and uh, so I was able to, to lead a small group of men, about uh, 10 men, down to Tuscaloosa, Alabama to do some mission work. The city was uh, really hard struck, as, as you all know, what damage a tornado can do. And so uh, we went down there, and all the way down there, long, long drive, all the way down, there's this one guy in the bus, and he kept saying, oh, I hope they don't tell us we got to put on a roof. Oh, I hope, I did all the entire time, please don't let it be a roof. It finally turned into a prayer. Oh, Lord, don't let, don't let us get up on that roof. We don't want to, we don't want to. You see, Alabama, it was August. And Alabama in August is just like three, day, three degrees cooler than perdition. It is, it is hot. And so we got down there, and you know exactly what they wanted us to do, right? They said, hey, we need, to, we need you to put on a roof on this little fellow's house. And so we got up at 5 a.m. every morning, and uh, we were up there roofing before the sun got up. And by 10 a.m., we had to put these, uh, these uh, carpet squares down on the roof. Or if you just touched that, you just touched your leg against it, it would just raise a blister. By 2 o'clock in the afternoon, it was unbearable. We were done. And, and I can honestly say that I have rarely worked so hard in my life, sweat so much, or been more exhausted at the end of the day. On the other hand, I have rarely ever laughed so hard, felt a deeper sense of community with a group of men, or experienced the power of the Holy Spirit. Why? Because when we live a life of service, we are being like our Savior. Matthew 20 says this, And whoever wishes to be first among you shall be your slave, just as the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life a ransom for many. We find the sweet spot in service to others. Now listen, in the modern church it's often said that 20% of the people do 80% of the work. Have you ever heard that expression before? Now I don't think, it's that, I don't think that's the truth here at Jonesboro. I, I, I think it's better than that. I think there's just a lot of ministries spread out over a lot of different people. I'm very thankful for that. But, it, but if there's some truth in this 2080, I'll tell you what, it is a recipe for misery. Because the 20% who are doing more than they're called to, more than they are equipped to do, are miserable because they are losing their joy, serving in the places that they weren't called to, and 80% aren't aren't happy, they're miserable too because they're not using their calling to build up the body of Christ and being building up the body of Christ, that's where we're being refined and growing and becoming more like Jesus. And so the calling on everyone's life is to understand what our spiritual gifts are and then to plug them into the kingdom, into this body where we have this built-in relationship with each other so that we might be, be refined and at the same time build up the kingdom and be a blessing to others. And that's not a recipe for disaster or misery. That's a, that is a recipe for joy, for living in the sweet spot. And listen, 
Sandy always gets all over me if I come up with a great sermon but don't give you an application. Listen, if you don't know your spiritual gift, then come and talk to me. If you don't know how to plug it into the community of faith, come talk to me because that's my calling and my gift is to help you fulfill yours. The last time I played golf, it was funny. The, uh, the, uh, the, when I got to my church, my last church, the first year, they, they said, hey, we do this great golf fundraiser every year. And people were fighting. They were just fighting for me. Pastor Cal, you need to come be on our team. You need to, you need to come be on our team. We'll pay, we'll pay your fees. I was like, well, <laughs> I don't know. Next year after they watched me play, not one person asked me. <laughs> not one. I had, to, I, had to, I had to make my own team with the staff they, because they worked for me. I had, they do, you, have to, you have to be my team. You work. The last time I went out to play, I had a good friend, and he, he knew I needed help. And so, so, so he got me a brand-new driver. And that's where it really goes amiss for me. So he got me this new driver. And man, it was beautiful, black it had a big old head on it, long, long thing, and a big old head, and I thought, man, that's great. Bigger head, bigger sweet spot, right? And so this is how much sense I've got. I just line up. I'm not practicing. I'm not warming up. I'm not doing anything. I'm just going up to the tee. It's a grip it and rip it kind of thing, you know? And so I got up there, and I didn't even waggle. I just, whoo, pow! And about 18 inches behind the ball, that club just came to a complete and total stop. And it was like watching a cartoon, you know, the old cartoons where the, oh, yo, 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 yo. Complete stop. Hurt. I mean, it hurt. My brother, my friend came up to me after he quit laughing. And he, he took my hands and just showed me how to hold it. And he said, lighten your grip. Just just lighten your grip and, and step back just a few inches because it's a bigger sweet spot, but it's a longer. So back up just a little bit. And he said, don't, don't swing so hard. Just let the club do the work. And I reared back the second time and pow, bam, sweet spot. Here's my point. People of faith, Minor adjustments in our life, just a few small adjustments, can make incredibly powerful, wonderful changes. Just minor changes. Just saying, today, Lord, I am in your hands. I'm going to get up a, a few minutes earlier and just rest in you, talk with you. I'm going to go through the day and just... Look for opportunities to share the good news, casually, comfortably. I'm going to rest and trust in you that you'll make all things work together in my life. I'm going to use this one humble gift that you've given me for your kingdom and your glory. And if we do, those minor changes, not major ones, just adjustments, we too can live in the sweet spot. Amen? Would you pray with me?
Good and gracious Father, we thank you so much for your holy word. It is my deepest desire for this community of faith, Father, that we would live the fulfilled life, that we would be in deep and constant relationship with you, that we would bring you glory. Forgive us for the ways that we have fallen short, that we have turned aside, and help us, Lord, to make those adjustments so that we might live in you, abide in you, rest in you, and find a fulfilled life. In Jesus' name, amen.